I'm still glad that through this video, I can continue on in our sermon series, Enemies of the Soul, The Devil, The Flesh, and The World. This is uh, based on a book by John Mark Comer called Live No Lies. It's a book I highly recommend. Or if you're not into the whole book reading fad, uh, you might go on YouTube and, and type in Live No Lies, John Mark Comer. There's a lot of great bite-sized teachings and, and podcasts and video interviews that he did to go along with this book there. So just really, really good stuff. I really recommend digging into it. Last week, we focused on the spiritual enemy referred to in scripture as the devil and how it's described in the Bible, specifically how Jesus himself understood the devil. We saw that the devil's main means of wreaking havoc in people's lives is through lies. The devil is a liar. The devil is a deceiver. And we are instructed to take captive every thought and examine whether it's true to who God is or it's something that's designed to deceive us and pull us away from God. And we need to get into the habit of identifying those lies and replacing them with words of truth from scripture. I gave you a homework assignment last week. I told you to start tracking those thoughts, start logging your negative thoughts, actually writing them down and paying attention to how often they occur. And then begin to start to look for patterns. Like I demonstrated that in my life, the lies that keep coming to my mind are lies of lack. This lie that says, I don't have enough. I don't have enough help. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough patience. And I've been saying, that's not necessarily true. It might feel true, but it's not true. And I've been replacing those lies with this reminder that the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. It's been really, really helpful for me. And I ask you to start doing that yourself. I meant to mention this last week, but I'll say it now. Keep in mind, just because a thought is negative does not necessarily mean that it's uh, a lie. Like you might have the thought, oh man, I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job at work. And then you might go, well, wait a minute. That's a negative thought. It must be a lie. I actually am doing a good job at work. Well, not necessarily. Maybe you feel like you're doing a bad job at work because you are doing a bad job at work. Maybe that's not the lie. Maybe there are lies surrounding the, this truth that you tell yourself, lies of why you can't do better that are kind of keeping you locked in place and lies that you're still believing. So it's, it's a little bit of a process, but we're trying to just keep a record of all the negative thoughts and examine them to test them to see if they're full of lies or if they reflect God's truth. Hopefully you've already started to do this. You've already started to, to, to log these thoughts. And if you haven't, you can start right now. It's an easy practice to do. And the hope is that you'll be able to identify uh, falsehoods when you hear them and redirect your mind toward what's actually true. If you did this exercise, then you may not realize it, but you are participating in an ancient Christian practice that Christians have been doing for centuries. But it actually began with Jesus himself. And we'll, we'll go to the passage that highlights that in just a moment. But first, I want to introduce you to a fourth century monk, a fellow by the name of Evagrius of Pontus. He was kind of a big shot in the Christian world during his time. Like he was a, he was a great thinker. He was friends with a lot of the, the church fathers and bishops and thought leaders of the time. But he gave all of that up and he decided he was going to go out and live in the desert for like the last 10, 15 years of his life, just so that he could focus on spiritual formation with a, an order of monks that, that lived out in the North African desert. He developed a reputation even while he was out in the desert for being someone who has a good theology, a good 
useful practice for overcoming the temptations of the devil. So people would like, go find him. They'd track him out in the desert. They'd say, hey, teach me how to fight the devil. And this happened so often that somebody said, you really should write what your methods are down. And he said, okay. So he, he wrote this letter and it became a book called Talking Back, a monastic handbook for combating demons. He started to notice all of the negative thoughts, or he called them logismoi, uh, in his life. And he began to pair them up with words from scripture to counter them. The Greek name of the book is Antiretikos, but it could be translated as comebacks. And I think that that is great. The devil tries to put lies in your brain. What you are working on are some comebacks. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where, where somebody says something witty and then you're like, oh man, I should have said this. I had a great comeback, but it didn't come fast enough. Kind of the same idea. The devil is whispering lies and telling you things that turn out to be not true. You can go, wait a minute, I want to be ready next time. So you're writing down these truths from scripture and those will be your comebacks against the devil. And Evagrius was very thorough in how he collected these. Um, he divided them up into categories and these categories would then later be developed by Gregory the Great to become what we know as the seven deadly sins. You might recognize these categories that he divides things up into when you read this. But uh, here's an example. He talks about, you're going to have thoughts that will make you angry, thoughts that you should be angry with people. And so how am I going to combat these? What scripture can help me? And he makes like a whole list of scriptures that are useful. He says, against the thought that is stirred up by anger and wants to revile the brothers, probably the brothers from his, his order of monks, he remembers Exodus 23, 7, you shall abstain from every unjust word. On the topic of vainglory or pride, he says, against the soul that loves glory from human beings more than the knowledge of Christ, Isaiah 40, all flesh is grass and all the glory of humanity is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. He even gets really specific and really personal with uh, confessions and like inner turmoil matters that we would probably not want anyone to ever find out about. But he's got a whole section about lust and fornication. He's just real open about his own thoughts and trying to combat the, the ugly and the dirty thoughts with scripture. He says, against the soul that is tempted by foul thoughts of fornication and does not want to keep vigil and pray, he remembers Jesus' words in Matthew 26, stay awake and pray that you do not come into temptation. You don't have to read this for very long to see that this handbook is very personal. It's honest. It's very thorough. He's got this thorough understanding of his own thoughts and of scripture itself. And if you spent time this past week keeping a log of all of your negative thoughts and then pairing each one with a scripture that counters the deceptive thought, then you came up with something that Evagrius came up with after all of his time in the desert, a guide, uh, a handbook of sorts to respond to the devil with words of truth when he tries to get you to believe in lies. But as I referenced earlier, Evagrius did not come up with this method. His, his inspiration was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. These desert fathers and mothers that practiced this were really, really inspired by Jesus' encounter with the devil that we read about in Luke chapter 4 and in Matthew chapter 4. So I want you to check this out right now. The devil is going to come to Jesus and try to, try to get him off track and try to, to do things that he shouldn't do. And Jesus is going to use scripture to combat the lies of the devil. This is Matthew chapter four. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. 
the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Here in Matthew 4, we see Jesus using the truth of Scripture to combat the lies of the devil. We learn a couple things from the devil's methods here in this passage. One, we see that the lie is typically a subtle lie. He kind of just hints at something that is not true. If you are the Son of God, that's what he says to Jesus. Two times he tells him this. He tries to gently cast doubt on the truth of Jesus' identity and kind of goading him a little bit into proving himself on the devil's own terms. But of course, Jesus doesn't fall for this. But you have to watch out because the lies are not just like, blah, these chairs are blue. It's something that's subtle and you might not catch at first. Second thing we see here is that the devil will try to get you to believe a lie that is connected to something that you might already want, a desire that you have. Here in this passage, he tells Jesus, tell these stones to become bread. Prove yourself. Do something that you can easily do if, if, if you are the Son of God. Now, we know Jesus had been fasting, so of course he was hungry, but he was fasting with a purpose. He's like, I'm not eating because I'm focusing on prayer and developing my trust in God the Father. And the devil tries to disrupt that by saying, make some really tasty bread here. Why don't you do it? I know you want to. He's already playing into a desire that surely Jesus has. The devil's not going to waste his time on lies that don't matter or that are just kind of silly. Like he's not going to try to trick you into believing Seattle is the capital of Washington state. That doesn't really matter. Some of you are like, well, Seattle is the capital of Washington state. It actually isn't. Uh, it's Olympia, but that doesn't matter. See, that's not going to derail your life in any significant way. It's not going to mess you up, but the devil is going to play into desires that are already there. It's more likely you're going to have some kind of subtle attack against your identity like he does with Jesus. He might whisper to you, you don't measure up. You know that, right? You know, you can't really trust these people, don't you? Or he might say, it's only a matter of time before you fail and are exposed for the fraud that you are. Or, like we said, the lies might play into some desire that you have. He might whisper, oh, you deserve the thing you want. You should just go ahead and take that. Nobody will know. Nobody will notice. Or he might say, you have every right to stay mad at that person. It's all their fault. We need to be aware of this strategy of the devil. It's his go-to method for spreading lies and ruining relationships. But we see Jesus responds faithfully in all three 
instances with words from scripture. And specifically, if you look into it, you see that Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8, and then Deuteronomy 6, and then Deuteronomy 6 again. Now, this section of Deuteronomy is the, the history of Moses and the, the people of Israel wandering in the wilderness. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was reading or reflecting on wilderness wandering passages, truths from God given to his, his people who were out in the wilderness while Jesus himself was out in the wilderness? These scriptures were fresh on his mind. The scriptures that we reflect on too can be fresh in our mind. They can be the truths in our life to combat lies. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, God's my sustenance, so I'm good. I'm not going to turn these stones to bread. And he says, don't put your Lord, the Lord your God to the test, which is exactly what the devil is trying to do to Jesus. And finally, he tells him, worship the Lord and serve him only. Of course, I'm not going to worship you, devil. That's a stupid idea. Kind of like those federal agents I mentioned last week who are trained to spot counterfeit bills by just studying the real thing carefully and, and consistently and over and over and again. Jesus was so filled with the word of God. He was so familiar with what truth actually was that these lies of the devil just reeked of falsehood. They were easy to spot right away. And Jesus was able to expose them for the lies that they were. I want you to notice something else here in this passage. Jesus went into the wilderness in order to square off against the devil. Sometimes we think about this passage like Jesus is about to start his public ministry and he needs some time by himself. So he goes out, he has some prayer and some fasting and he's kind of getting ready for all that's going to come. And then the devil shows up and just bugs him, you know, like a younger sibling busting into your room without permission. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And Jesus is like, get lost or like trying to shoo a pesky fly. Maybe that's sometimes how we think about this passage. But what it says in verse one Take a look again. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. His purpose for going out into the wilderness was to do battle against the deceiver. And the fourth century monks like Evagrius did the same thing. It wasn't like, ah, I'm so tired of the world. Ah, oh, there's so many temptations in the city of Constantinople. I'm going to go out where the devil isn't. On the contrary, they were going out to where the devil was. They were going out to do spiritual battle to face off against the devil and to root out the devil's lies from their lives. And like Jesus, the weapons that they used were words from scripture, the word of God, the truth of God. We need to do the same thing. We need to be intentional about standing up against the devil, about confronting his lies and declaring the truth instead. The simple antidote to the lies of the devil is the truth of God's word. We need to know it. We need to believe it. We need to let it shape us. I heard one time when it comes to foreign languages that you're not fluent in a foreign language until you begin to think in that language, until you start to dream in another language, then you are fluid, fluent. Followers of Christ don't just, can't just get away with being familiar with words of scripture the same way that I'm like, familiar with some Spanish phrases that I learned in high school. No, we need to think it. We need to speak it. We need to dream it. We need to know it. We need to become, we need it to become our primary language. And we need to be aware of the devil's schemes and be prepared with our own comebacks, ready to go to spiritual battle against him. I'm talking about this a lot. It's like one simple idea that we keep 
mentioning, mentioning, mentioning. Why is this important? There's a recent statistic that showed that the average American consumes 2,800 hours a year. I guess it can't be a day. It must be a year. 2,800 hours a year of digital content. That's like TV and movies, social media clips, podcasts, whatever. But only 153 hours of that is Christ-based content. That's quite a big disparity. We are exposing ourselves to a lot of ideas and thoughts that range from not necessarily Christ-based all the way to just blatantly contrary to the truths of God. Our worldview is very much influenced by the content we consume and the culture we live in, regardless of whether it's digital or not. It, it could be cable news, it could be books, it could be just the people that we talk with and interact with on a regular basis, but they form us. To quote the book, The Power of Habit, paraphrase, I guess, thoughts become choices, choices become habits, and habits become our character. The things we think, the things we're exposed to form us. I'm not a big one for policing people's personal freedoms or uh, advocating that all of your digital content needs to come from a Christian publishing company or a broadcaster. But I think that if we are in this season where we're examining our lives and our thoughts and our schedules for potential inroads the devil might have to plant lies or to derail our faith, then this statistic is something that we need to take seriously. If we don't intentionally and consistently supply our minds and our hearts with biblical truths, it's not going to happen by accident. We may actually need to evict some of these negative messages that we've invited in, or we need to cut off the stream, uh, the source of further ones from, from getting in. And we also might need to increase the amount of God-honoring things that we put in our minds. And we can do this through disciplines that you probably already familiar with, but maybe didn't realize what was actually going on. One that I heard growing up in church, it was like the end of every sermon, like, okay, what do we do now? Well, go to church, read your Bible and pray. And then the next week there was some other passage and some other illustration, some other talk. And then the end of it was like, okay, preacher, what do we do now? Well, you got to go to church, read your Bible and pray. And if I'm honest, I got kind of burnt out on that. I was like, that's just the same thing. What else you got? Isn't there something else? And it is a little bit repetitive. It is a little bit simple. And you might go, okay, so we already know this. But the question isn't whether or not we know it. The question is whether or not we're doing it. Or we're realizing that this is the thing that we need to form us. Or else something else absolutely will. So one of those practices that will help shape us and form us is Bible reading and reflection, just like we talked about, becoming more fluent in the language of scripture. Another one is just regularly attending worship services rather than showing up every once in a while. I hesitate to, to ever mention this and I wanna be careful because I appreciate anybody who shows up even one time. But the part of the reason we come to worship is to be formed spiritually. I mentioned this in a series we did on worship that it's kind of like recalibrating our hearts and just adjusting our alignment to make sure that the way we're living, the thoughts that we're having, the things that we're exposed to are reflecting the truths of God's word. That's why we sing them in worship. That's why we always have scripture. That's why I'm not just up here talking and sharing interesting ideas, but that they come from Jesus. They come from the early church. They come from God's word because we believe it's the truest way to live. And if we're cutting ourselves off from hearing those things or from participating in those worship services, then you know, we start to lose that numbers game. 
I'm really a big advocate for church attendance, not because we need the numbers or because we need uh, your booty sitting in one of these chairs, but because it's that spiritual formation habit that will help you, that will, will bless you, that will keep your life from being full of lies. And there's a great opportunity to get together with the church this coming Wednesday. We're doing our monthly dinner and devos, which I'm sure was mentioned already, but really encourage you to come and participate in this. Uh, it's casual. We're going to provide dinner for you, and we're just going to sing, and we're going to pray and encourage each other in faith. It's a great way to connect with other Christians from this church. It's a great way to invite friends and neighbors to get to know uh, who we are, what we believe, a uh, little intro to the Jesus we follow. So I encourage you to be a part of that. I will be here for that. I'm not here now, but I will be here on Wednesday. Another thing we can do is carve out regular times in our schedules to pray. I've said before, if you don't schedule it, it's likely to get bumped. And I don't just mean like, pray for Aunt Vicky while I'm pulling into the Safeway parking lot. Although you should pray for Aunt Vicky, and it's okay to pray in your car. I'm just talking about spending time with God, just sitting in silence and listening for the Lord. What one theologian refers to as wasting time with God. Do we do that? That will form us. And I'm just mean, and not just talking about reading scripture, just blasting through so I can read the whole story of Exodus in one sitting, but just dwelling in these truths. Kind of like I've been doing these last several weeks. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Wow. That's so true. I got to put that on my heart. I got to reflect on that. I got to just sit and think about that for a while. Another good practice to do is listening to more Christian podcasts or videos or any digital content that is not Christ-based. Find one that is Christ-based. A great place to start. Again, Google, YouTube, John Mark Comer. He's got some great teachings. Um, he's a great voice to listen to. And as always, there's the Thursday Night Spiritual Formation Workshop, which meets right here in the building every Thursday from 6.30 to 8. A loving group of people who love to worship, love to pray. They write prayers and they reflect on uh, scriptures each week. And if you're not able to be here in person on Thursdays, there's an opportunity to still read the same scriptures they're reading and write your own prayer. You can email it in. They'll read it to the group. There's a lot of people who were part of this group in the past but had to move out of state and they still participate regularly. It's a blessing to them. It's a good spiritual discipline, a good habit. I encourage you to check that out if you haven't. And as I said before, I want you to continue to track your negative thoughts and counter them with truths from God's word. That's a good practice to do. You're going you're gonna to learn something about what the devil is trying to do in your life. And you can be like Evagrius. You can be like Jesus and say, not today, Satan. I got my comeback ready. Next week, we're going to continue identifying and equipping ourselves against uh, enemies of the soul. And the enemy we're going to look at is what the New Testament refers to as the flesh. I'll give you a summary and the short version now. We have all these desires. Uh, they're just naturally built into us. And they're not all necessarily wrong. But the thing that gets us in trouble is when we put those desires in the wrong order. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the flesh and how it can try to pull us away from God. But today I want to end together by having us listen to a song that has some very powerful anti-reticos. Uh, remember that word means comebacks. Some very powerful counterpoints to use against the devil who tries to speak lies into our lives. It's a song, You Say, by Lauren Daigle. You might know this song. It was a theme song for our youth retreat this fall up at Camp Daybreak. And just a really powerful reminder of the truths that God wants us to know about how much he loves us, about how he sent his son Jesus to die for us, and just he'd go to great lengths 
to rescue us from our sin and from the, the grip of the devil. It's a great song to pro uh, proclaim truths. Feel free to uh, follow along with the lyrics on the screen, reflect on this silently, or you can even join in and sing along if you like.